It be too late to alter course, matey, and there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey, dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 62 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. You're welcome. No problem. Ye intruders beware. Wrong Crushing podcast. death and grief. <laughs> Soaked with blood of those who don't check us out on the Goonies Minute Show. <laughs> Heather and I are continuing our stint as pirate guest on Monday and Tuesday this week, so give it a listen. I also managed to fulfill a promise and get the Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group set up on Friday. But I did fail to share it with anyone or post to our Facebook page until late afternoon on Saturday. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but the important thing is, is that it was done on Friday, like I said. Uh-huh. People just don't know. You can go, you can see like where it says, oh, he created a group on this day. So there is evidence of it. Just nobody knew about it. Definitely a pirate faux pas, if you want to call it that. But it is up and we'd love to have you join the group. We'll be discussing the movies, the show, sharing our favorite Pirates of the Caribbean memes, and in general hanging out in what I'd like to describe as a virtual Faithful Bride Tavern. Heather, on the other hand, will be demanding everyone to buy her tankard of grog, so just be mindful of that scallywag and be careful of her. She is, well, she's a pirate. She's a cheetah door. <laughs> Should be fun and looking forward to get it going. So that will be a good time on Facebook since we can't all just be hanging out at the Faithful Bride Tavern every day. That's too bad. Well, all of us except one. But anyways... Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Heather, you dirty, filthy claw cat. What's the pirate word or <laughs> phrase of the week? <laughs> Why, thank you. What maggots brewing under your puree wig? <laughs> what maggots brewing under my periwig? Burrowing. What maggots burrowing under my periwig? Yes. I haven't named him actually. <laughs> So this basically means, what's the matter, what are you worried about, or what's wrong? Ah, I like it. Yeah. I what? thought it was fitting for you. For me? <laughs> <laughs> what maggots burrowing under your periwig? You got that? Nice. I like it. Yeah, I know. It fits well with you. Not with me, but in general with out you. there. fits well with you. You know, I, I kind of try to make my... Word or phrase of the week fit for you. <laughs> I'm starting to think that the pirate word or phrase of the week is actually more of a Monday. What insult can I come up for, Scott? Well, you know, you come out of your dungeon on the weekends, right? <laughs> That's true. I have to deal with you all weekend. That is true. So too. Monday, I'm a little tired of you. <laughs> After 48 <laughs> hours, you can barely stand it. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> well, that's enough of that. Let's unfurl the canvas and let's get going, and that way you don't have to deal with it anymore. And actually, I don't have to hear about it. 
In the previous minute, Captain Barbosa and his malnourished band of miscreants managed to give Elizabeth Swan one hell of a Halloween-themed Cirque du Soleil experience that culminated with her taking an upright fetal position crouched in a cabin. Barbosa lets all in on a little secret that for too long he's been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. Too long he's been starving to death and hasn't died and then does his best to impersonate Dr. Evil with a cliched mastermind laugh that ends with him barking orders at his crew just as we embrace the sun in Tortuga. Minute 62 begins with Gibbs finishing. Feast your eyes, Captain, all of them faithful hands before the mast. Every man worth his salt and crazy to boot, as Captain Jack Sparrow, Will Turner, and Joshua Me Gibbs walk along the Tortuga dock examining an assembled pirate lineup. The minute ends with Will telling Jack, well, you've proved they're mad. A woman's voice pipes up from the lineup. And what's the benefit for us? Jack gets a curious look in his eyes and begins to walk towards the voice. So we're out of the dark and officially back in Tortuga. Yeah, some nice bright sunshine. So it looks like there's maybe 12 or 13. I thought I counted 13 at first. And then just trying to check on who these actual, maybe these characters are, who actually was an actor and all this kind of stuff in there, that I'm thinking maybe it was actually 12 and I just miscounted. I'm not really sure. Either 12 or 13, we'll just stay with that, that are on the dock, these kind of pirate crew that Jack is recruiting. But we really only see eight during the 60-second spot that we're in now. In the visual guides, they named or differentiated the Black Pearl crew from Jack's crew by calling them the Cursed Crew or the Cursed Crew, however you want to say that, for the Black Pearl. And then Jack gets the Motley Crew, and it's not its not actually the band. <laughs> it really is a Motley Crew of people that they've assembled on here. The, well, assembled on the pirates? Exactly. We're not going to name all of the crew that we see here, because that would just go through forever. You know, it would take a long time for us to name, well, to go through all their backgrounds and try and talk about each of the actors and stuff like that. So I decided that maybe we'll just share the names of his crew that are actually here. Uh-huh. And then we can highlight a couple of the bigger named ones, or at least the ones that are have a more prominent role in this movie. And then maybe some of the other ones when we have chance or when they pop up in an individual part that we can then just call them out and go from there. That way, also when I'm not bursting at the seams with information and we maybe could go on for an hour <laughs> and a half or so. So we'll kind of try and keep it somewhat within our confines of a time limit, but you know, we never can promise that. We tend to always err towards you know 30 minutes. Sometimes into the 25 or a little bit lower, but and then sometimes into the 40. So we'll try and kind of keep it somewhat good. Somewhere around here is a little long-winded. Yeah, I don't know why you keep going on about I, things. I don't know. I get so excited about the movie and everything. I just keep going on like crazy. Yeah, you do. So the names that I found, and I actually found names for 12 of them. So that is why I actually was saying maybe there's 12 and not 13. So right. I don't know if I just miscounted when they were going through that lineup, as I said. But we have Anna Maria, Cotton, Crimp, Duncan, Cursor, Ladbrock, Lejon, Marty, Matelot, Moises, Quartetto, and Tierlac. Or Tierlatch. Tierlac, maybe. It's a pretty interesting group of names. Yeah, and, they are. And I didn't actually look into any of the names as far as what their origins are, which is now something I'm thinking about as I'm seeing like Tierlac and Quartetto and things like that. So it might be something I do. You know, just on some spare time when I have nothing else to research for the show. <laughs> While you're down in your dungeon. Exactly. Give me something to do to pass the time. I'll give you there. a little bit of internet down there. When I'm talking to the rats that are yeah. scurrying by and things like that. There's yeah. no rats in our dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Only the pet ones. It's a filthy, grimy dungeon. 
No. But Marty, he's one of the two Motley Crew pirates we focus on in this particular minute, and he's being recruited by Jack. He's a little person pirate, but like other scallywags, does not necessarily have much of a background associated with him or that is currently available through the movies or the expanded universe that I could find anyways. He is in a relatively smallish club of those actors, though, who have appeared in four of the Pirates of the Caribbean films since he makes a reappearance in the upcoming Dead Men Tell No Tales. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he's in the new movie coming out this May, actually, this Memorial Day. So we will also see more of Marty when we start to tackle the next couple of movies in this particular franchise, Dead Man's Chest and At World's End. So he does make a reappearance in those, too. So like I said, he's one of this kind of smallish clubs of a number of these actors who have actually been in, say, four or more of these movies. Right. He's described as a diminutive pirate, bald with a long, thin beard that was woven into a single strand, Marty had one earring and wore a multicolored waistcoat with a white shirt, a belt, a pair of black shoes, and baggy breeches. On his neck, Marty wore many keys, symbolizing that he himself was something of a womanizer, possessing the keys to the hearts of many women. Thus, I'm really kind of assuming that he and Jack get along great. Yeah. And that's why he's actually around for the other films, (laughs) is that they just got along so well. Yes. That he's going there. That's something in common. Exactly. See? Maybe Marty is the mini-me of the Jack Sparrow character, since <laughs> we were talking about Dr. Evil the other day. Yes. His name is actually Martin Kleba, or Kleba. I'm, like I've said a thousand times, they're notorious for just slaughtering names. So somewhere along the way, Kleba, Kleba, however you want to do it, we'll go with that, Kleba. Is the actor portraying Marty? He's approaching 100 acting credits on his resume and more than 50 stunt film credits as a stuntman. And that spans movies, TV, and stunt work, and including uh, the recent Jurassic World in 2015. His trademark is being known as the Stunt Runt. So I guess it's always good if you can have a a cool little trademark that you have a (laughs) moniker for yourself as the Stunt Runt. He's the only actor to appear in both adaptions of Disney theme park rides, which is Pirates of the Caribbean, of course, and The Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. He created a nonprofit organization called Coalition of Dwarf Advocates to help dwarfs with adoption and many other issues they face. And he's the world's fastest little person, and he's held the record since 1994, according to IMDb. Oh, really? Yeah, so I guess he's pretty quick. Huh. Then we have Cotton. Wait, I have something to say about him. Okay, go for it. They were actually going to call him Dirk. Dirk? Dirk. In the movie, but they liked his real name better, so they kept it with Marty. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because he doesn't have that weird pirate name, or maybe it's not weird, but he just doesn't have that kind of traditional pirate name that you'd think of. Yeah. And so I wonder if it's easier, if they like that or they don't like that. You know, so when he's telling people, oh yeah, I was in Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah, I played Marty. (laughs) You know, he doesn't get that name, like, I was Jack Sparrow. Yeah, right. You know, it's Marty. I played myself, basically. (laughs) He also did all his own stunts in this movie. Yeah, he is a stuntman, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Probably made it easier, too, for casting for it, you know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know how that... Yeah, well, I mean, as a little person, too, that makes it easier if you have a little person stuntman doing it, and he's just familiar with the character. And then you don't have to worry about trying to match up somebody that looks like him right. or has that similar appearance because then now it is him. If he's doing all those stunts, you don't have to worry about any continuity or trying to hide the faces a little bit. It is him. Yeah. And there he goes. 
In, in future movies, Josh McGibbs does his own stunts also. Oh, seriously? Yeah, because it was they they had such a hard time matching somebody to look like that look like him. Uh-huh. And there's shots in his stunt work that you actually see his face, and it was just easier to have him do his own stunts than to have his um, stunt double do it. Wow, interesting. Yeah. But that's in future movies. Depends what kind of stunts you're doing, I guess, if that makes a difference. <laughs> it was a bone cage one. Today we'd light you on fire. <laughs> it's a, he mentioned that it was a bone cage. Huh. I'm trying to think when of they're when, rolling. when they're all in when they're rolling in it mm-hmm. or oh, really? doing all that stuff in the bone cage. Yeah. Wow. He was in he was actually in there. So oh, very cool. Yeah. Then we have Cotton, who's portrayed by David Bailey. And he does a spot of acting here and there, and he's managed to round up an acting resume that includes 44 film and television credits that stretch all the way back to 1961. And besides Pirates of the Caribbean, he also appeared in another pirate movie, Cutthroat Island, as Dog's Pirate. Although we can't really compare Cutthroat Island to Pirates of the Caribbean, at least as far as I'm concerned. How does he do all these other movies without a tongue? (laughs) That's true. They did have to cut out his tongue for this. Yeah. It's pretty crazy the things that people go through just to get on television or in the movies. I'm it sorry. Is. We really needed somebody without a tongue. You know, and most people just, just grow your hair, shorten your hair. Oh, he's dedicated. We don't need, no, we're gonna, we need to cut your tongue out for this episode. <laughs> he's or this movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I mean, we do have a few backstory tidbits about him, but I'm going to leave those for our breakdown and our bonus episode or a future episode when we actually deal with Pirates of the Caribbean Wedlock, which features Cotton as more of a prominent role, or at least provides some of that background information. But the obvious thing here is Heather said he lost his tongue and his parrot speaks for him. Is kind of the gist of that. Yes. And the parrot. Exactly. Didn't you have some parrot information? I do. The parrot's actually played by two different blue and gold macaws. Their names are Chip and Salsa. <laughs> nice. That's the, probably the best actual names for a bird I've ever <laughs> right? heard. Chips and, Chip and Salsa or Chips Chip and, sal- and Salsa? Chip and Salsa. Chip and Salsa. Yes. And one's a good flyer and one's a good sitter. <laughs> They're probably, were they owned by the same person or they came together like, oh my God, my, par- <laughs> my macaw's name is Chip. Wow, I got Salsa. They're made for each other. <laughs> I don't have that much detail. <laughs> wow. People are asking for it. I know. One's a good flyer, one's a good sitter. And David Bailey said that. It's actual quote. God, if you heard them squawk, you have no idea what, what that squawk is like at a two-inch range. <laughs> oh, I do. I've worked with macaws before, and I know. <laughs> They'll blast your ear out. Yeah, he says your head just rings. And the voice of the macaws is actually Christopher Cap. Actually, you know, I saw that there was maybe a third macaw that was part of that, if you will, of macaws. I saw that when I was researching some of the Humane Society stuff, you know, that no animals were harmed in making this movie. So I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, they said that there was a third one whose name was Ranger because they ended up, they said that they ended up clipping the macaw's wings, the other two, Chip and Salsa, and they, they were the ones that were riding on his shoulder and that kind of stuff. But I found that There was a third one. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But they said Ranger was the one that got to spread its wings and take flight. And it was very easy to get the birds to ride on the actor's shoulders. The other ones, Chip and Salsa, just because that's kind of a normal behavior for the birds. 
But depending on the scene, sometimes the leg of the bird was actually tied to the actor's costume with a light like monofilament tether for safety reasons. And then the trainers were always nearby. Hmm. The book and both uh, and Wik- um, Pirates of the Caribbean Wikia yeah. both only state ship and salsa. Yeah, that's interesting. So I wonder what, what's going on there. Maybe I wonder if this is something that spanned or kind of spilled over from another movie where they brought one in. That later on for the other movies because a parrot does make an appearance in yeah it's, just, in it's still movies. chip and salsa it says yeah that's crazy then I wonder what that maybe it's just bad information that is on there or maybe. somebody left something out or yeah. it was just such a minor part that it wasn't I don't know yeah the controversy <laughs> it's Ranger really in Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> yeah exactly that's right. <laughs> They were saying that the actor was introduced to all three birds, or two birds, depending on what's true, ahead of time and spent many hours rehearsing with them so everyone would be at ease during the filming. And the bird rides on the shoulder of the actor throughout the film, and sometimes a trainer would place the bird on the actor's shoulder and stand off camera, and the bird would just naturally stay there on his shoulder or on his arm. They also created a fake shoulder that was made and covered with a green cloth and then the bird was placed on this and a trainer stood off camera holding up toys to get the bird to look in various directions so that way they could have movement shots and things like that if necessary or close-ups and stuff yeah to get the bird to actually act yeah to do other things you know that way it wasn't just on his shoulder being distracted but they could have it on this fake shoulder and then do whatever the director wanted now are blue and gold macaws very mouthy because he didn't seem to like pick at cotton at all uh, I don't know. Maybe because of the training. The ones that I have seen tended to play with things quite a bit. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it maybe depends on the bird, but maybe because of the training they weren't doing that. But yeah. I know that they're definitely, like most birds, will tend to want to play with things. Right. You know, or at least stuff. But yeah, I don't remember. Does he have an earring in that ear? Because maybe they didn't put an earring in that ear. Or oh, maybe. They didn't want anything shiny right there. <laughs> you know, he's ripping it out and trying to play with it. Because they're notorious, you know, all birds are oh, yeah. for playing earrings and things like that. Yeah. Then there's some scenes later on that I found, and maybe we can talk about that, is later in post-production, they had some of those movements, as I said, when they placed them on that fake shoulder, that they would then edit into some of the battle scenes so the real bird didn't actually have to be used. Oh, so it didn't get scared because of all the noise. It also gave the special effects team a chance to use the computer to make it appear as if the bird's mouths were moving as they spoke. So not all of them time they were moving their mouths, so they actually computer-generated that. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, the parrot voice was by Christopher Cap. And so I looked into him real quick. And for the most part, he's doing behind-the-scenes work in editing or in the editorial department. But it does appear there has been some typecasting that's happened with, with this particular guy. Oh, really? He can only talk bird? Yeah. He has four <laughs> acting credits to his name and his resume. And all of those are the parrot voices in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, Deadman's Chest, At World's End, and at the At World's End video game. <laughs> so that, that's his acting resume. The huh. other times he's just behind the scenes. I wonder if that's by choice or by, I think it's probably by choice. Or maybe he was actually on oh, the set. Oh, you sound like a good he, bird. Yeah. <laughs> or he Your was actually doing something. Maybe him. he was doing some editing on there. I should yeah. have checked that. And then all of a sudden, you know, he just does this crazy parrot voice. And right? Like, You're it. I didn't look into that far. You know? I should have probably seen, were you also, was he also an editor on this film? Because then that would have made more sense. Because it kind of sounds like that's the case. And he was the um they you know oh sounded he either was making fun of the voice or you know mocking it or they all of a sudden said you got a great voice for that That's you're right. the bird <laughs> 
That would be so easy to do if he was there and then yeah. he just came along with that. Yeah. This is also a Pirates of the Caribbean ride reference alert. So the parrot was introduced to the movie to serve as a mechanism for multiple ride references that come later on in the movie, mostly to introduce catchphrases that would make maybe more believable just having those in the movie as opposed to having some characters just throwing out some of these lines or trying to craft some dialogue around including ride references. So we'll see those later on and we'll just go ahead and mention those. But I thought it was interesting of how they said, yeah, let's maybe put a parrot or a macaw in here to be able to well, to do that parrots and pirates go hand in hand right <laughs> that's right i mean as far as our uh stereotypes go for right. sure they always have parrots that they do so i know we've talked a lot about kind of just some of the pirate crew here and we haven't really got into really much of the minute besides some of the back story stuff yeah so i kind of wanted to jump to jack sparrow and maybe some will turner but Jack is grossed out by Cotton's lack of tongue. He is. And I don't know. I I mean, I just really love the physical acting Johnny Depp pulls off at this particular scene. (laughs) And I think it's more, I think I really like it more than the way Cotton opens his mouth, which is really something that reminds me of something, say, an old pirate would do for some reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like this, arr, arr. <laughs> and then it, his lower jaws kind of yeah, tilted to the, the side. Yeah, and... it's like it doesn't line up properly. And then it's just crazy. And then Johnny Depp is like looking in his mouth going, oh my God, there's no tongue there. And he's just all... <laughs> he's all grossing out. Yeah, and his tongue he's comes like out. He's testing his own tongue. Yeah, did, I, did that just cause my tongue to fall <laughs> off? Because he's so just put off by it. It's hilarious. I, I really just... It's that kind of physical comedy, that nonverbal acting and stuff. It yeah. just was pretty funny. I thought on both their parts, actually. And I wonder how much of that was improvised by both of those characters. Yeah. Or maybe it was told to open his mouth. And then he takes this kind of weird pirate look. Yeah. And then Johnny Depp just responds to that. Or I should (laughs) say Jack Sparrow responds to that in this crazy fashion. It's just awesome. Although Jack Sparrow is kind of impressed with things here, I guess, to a point. I don't know. I mean, he tries to talk and engage with Cotton. and He's not getting an answer. He tries to get that, no, I'm the captain here. You'll answer me, man. Answer me. (laughs) And then Joshimi Gibbs chimes in, says, no, he's a mute. He can't talk. He has his tongue cut off. And that the pirate, or, well, the pirate, then the parrot actually speaks for him. And he's trained the parrot to speak for him. And then the parrot chimes in, you know, are we going to set sail? Are we ready to set sail or whatever? You probably have the actual line. When do we sail? When do we sail? Yeah, but you didn't do it right. Oh. When do we sail? When do we sail? (laughs) And... Jack Sparrow's like, well, that answers it for me. That's all he needed. Yeah, that's it. We're all and, good. And then, like I said, Will is completely not impressed with anything that he's seen so far. And then to have Jack Sparrow taking the word of the parrot is like, see, this is all good. <laughs> he's just like, what he is looks this? to Will as a satisfied. Yeah, it's just like these bumbling pirates here. But I think Will was actually expecting something more terrifying, some more terrifying pirates. Than this crew of miscreants here, this motley crew as they call it. He wanted something more like the Black Pearl that attacked him and Tortuga. Mm. These crazy pirates just willing to jump into anything. This kind of battle-hardened, strong, crazy-eyed people that could help rescue Elizabeth. Not an old guy with no tongue, a little person. There's quite a few old guys here. Yeah, that he's just like, these are grizzled guys that should be sleeping (laughs) with Gibbs in the, the pigsty. Yeah. So I think and then you pretty... got a woman on board. I mean, a woman. I didn't see a woman. 
Oh. Well, it sounded oh, like there was a no, woman. No, you're right. We did. Hear, dang it. I thought I got her. Ah, Arr. You're right. There is a woman's voice in the lineup. So we do know a woman is there. Yeah. I have that Will's awful judgmental here. And he's standing in the back almost regal-like, I guess. Not not quite regal, but like he's better than all these other pirates here. You, yeah, which is interesting that? because Will doesn't typically take that kind of... He doesn't really do that, actually. Yeah, and he's standing back here and he's questioning the pirates. You know, not yeah. questioning them, but questioning the group there. Well, he's he he's has some preconceived notions. He's, yeah, he's yeah. judging them like, okay, these guys aren't going to be able to get the job that I need yeah. them to do done. And he's like acting like he's better than them all. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much if it's if he's better than them or maybe he's thinking he's better than them at fighting and he needed more people that were going to be young and hardy mm. to help make this happen because his main focus again is rescuing Elizabeth and he needs that to happen. He doesn't need he doesn't need guys in walkers trying to storm the ship. And that's what he's worried about. Like, how am I going to get this done with these yahoos? Right. And then there's, of course, Josh Me Gibbs. And I can't not say something about this, but he never fails to impress me with his salty pirate tongue, I should say. Right? Like, I saw this. I was going, what, what is that supposed to even mean? It's like, feast your eyes and worth his salt. I mean, these are just awesome yeah. phrases that he's coming out. And I don't know if anybody else could have delivered them. And had them just really have that kind of pirate meaning to them. Right. If Will had said it, I don't know if it had been the same effect. I think if anything that is a little bit kind of 18th century, old school or whatever nautical pirate maritime kind of phrases come out. If it's said by Gibbs and yeah, it's gold. If it was said by somebody else, we'd probably be just glossing over it. But with Gibbs, I don't know. I'm just impressed with Yeah. Him. All of them faithful hands before the mast. Every man worth his salt and crazy to boot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of an awesome line. <laughs> that it is. And actually, I looked up the worth his salt because I thought it just was pretty cool. I wanted to get some background information on it. Yeah. And of course, for all those history tidbit fans that are sailing with us on this cursed waters out there, it's reported that there are more than 14,000 known uses for salt. And, of course, some of those include the human body. We need it to function properly, but salt is also utilized for everything from producing chemicals to de-icing roads. We all know that. Before the days of artificial refrigeration, the main method for preserving food was to treat it with salt. In this way, salt came to represent power, and without it, armies couldn't travel great distances, and explorers couldn't sail to new lands because their provisions definitely would just spoil, and they wouldn't have the food that they needed. Right. So throughout the ages, a variety of cultures also used this mineral in ceremonies and religious rituals. For many centuries, until salt deposits were discovered throughout the world and extraction methods improved, salt was scarce, which made it more valuable. To be worth one's salt is to be worth one's pay. Our word salary actually derives from the Latin salarium. Sal is the Latin word for salt. There is some debate over the origin of the word salarium, but most scholars accept that it was the money allowed to... Roman soldiers for the purchase of salt. So Roman soldiers weren't actually paid in salt, as maybe some internet sites suggest. But Romans were obliged to buy their own food, weapons, and etc. All this kind of supplies. And they had the cost of those that were actually deducted from their wages in advance. Leaving it up to someone else to actually do the bit of research here. And this person supposedly looks into phrases and idioms said that the earliest citation of the phrase he found in print is in the African Memoranda 
a report of an expedition to Guinea-Bissau by Philip Beaver in 1805. And that said, Hales has been my most useful man, but of late not worth his salt. So true, perhaps not. We'll let you guys be the judge out there if that's the first instance of it. So if that is an 1805 that we've seen in print, maybe it had been used prior to that in the 18th century and just had never been written down. Or we can say that Joshua Gibbs coined a phrase, just like Johnny Depp has done, <laughs> worth his salt. I kind of like that option. I do too. When Jack asked Will if he was satisfied, Will turns around and said, well, you proved they're all mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's satisfied about that. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's being very judgmental here. Well, that's what we were saying. Yeah, I think he's really got Elizabeth on the mind. And these are not going to, this isn't just going to pan out. These are all crazy people. In fact, I think maybe he's not just saying that they're mad. Like in this pirate lineup that Jack takes it as. But I think he's taking the whole lot of them. Everybody except Will Turner on this dock is mad. Yeah. Except him. Because we, he just saw Jack. Have a very brief conversation with a parrot. <laughs> use that As parrot word to turn to him and say, satisfied, see? <laughs> yeah. They're ready to go. The parrot <laughs> has told us so. Yeah. But blue and gold macaw has gold right in the name. Therefore, it's a symbol <laughs> of gold and where they're going. Yes, exactly. So we should trust the parrot. Yeah, you should always trust the parrot. Unless it hasn't been handled because... It's real, you know, you really have to get a handle on their beak when holding them, especially when you're trying to clip their wings or claws. I've done it with macaws and other big, large birds, and you don't want to lose that grip because it smarts when you get bit by those guys. So you want them to be friendly and used to having people hold them. You can't just have them rogue birds like that, man. Those things are crazy sharp beaks and they hurt. <laughs> A tear is welling up in my eyes. I just remember the time being bit by one of those. <laughs> Man, that macaw hurt like a mother. <laughs> That's about all I have for this minute. Me too. Let's not forget to join our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group. We are all excited to give you a better way to engage the show and even call out the mistakes we... I mean, Heather makes... You can find the link on our Facebook page and on blackpearlminute.com. We have it all linked there. You can go find it and just hit the join button and I'll probably approve you. Oh, okay, I'll approve you. Then we can enjoy the conversation and share some cool things. Some memes about Jack Sparrow. They're all over the place. Let's start sharing those things and having some fun. Also, I should note, and we teased this, I think, last week, is this Friday and next Monday, episodes 66 and 67, we are being joined by a special guest. Adam Liebrich Johnson will be climbing aboard the Black Pearl and helping us break down the film. We are very much looking forward to his insight and having him on the show. It'll be our first guest, so it's a special yeah. place in our pirate hearts. <laughs> well, my blackened heart and Heather's, well, Heather doesn't have a heart, so my blackened heart will cover that for everybody. Adam is a member of the Royal French Privateers of Clan Darksail, which is a pirate reenactment group, and apparently has some good pipes on him since he is also part of the world-famous Poxy Boggards, the drinking group with a singing problem. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, right? <laughs> that is awesome. Now, I'm crossing my fingers he didn't hear me attempt to sing last week, and I swear that caterwauling was on purpose. My voice has actually been linked and likened to Frank Sinatra at some points. So tune in for that for sure. Who As linked I and likened it? Hey, I did. Oh, I did okay. that myself. Okay. 
as part of this whole university of the self-taught thing, now I am also making my own references to myself and making those comparisons. Okay. They always say, who knows you better than yourself? So wouldn't I be the one to make those comparisons about my singing voice to others? Oh, yes. Some people have said that it aren't me, like Heather, that my singing voice is something like banjos. I've never said that. Banjo does have a good singing voice, though. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) Usually that's when there's a fire truck that goes by and he's got to just howl at it like no tomorrow. So anyways... Look forward to Adam joining us, and there'll be some cool conversations, and we can hear about some of his cool groups that he belongs to and get some of his pirate knowledge. Is he going to sing for us? <laughs> don't say that. You'll scare him off. He's not, <laughs> you don't have to sing for us. Well, maybe. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 63 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Arr! What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy! Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket! Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.